As a confidant and coach to business leaders, I know a lot of people who are rich and miserable and those on the opposite side of the spectrum. So let's pull it all together, shall we? We'll explore the intersection between wealth and joy. We'll look at the psychology, spirituality, and practicality of money, plus some of the things that make up a truly lucrative lifestyle. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucra Life. Hey, hey, a number of years ago, I appeared as a guest expert on the Prosperity Summit, and we got such great feedback and so many questions after my appearance on that, that I created a whole course around answering those questions and responding to people's challenges and obstacles. So I am getting ready to update that course. This was done a number of years ago. I think it was maybe 2017 or maybe even earlier. So what you're about to hear is the version one of that course. And if you're interested in participating in the updated version, I will be doing that live this week. You can register for free. Simply visit lucra.com, click get access, fill in your information, and you will get the invitation. Looking forward to seeing you there. And for now, enjoy True Wealth in this two-part episode. I'm so excited and grateful that you signed up for my True Wealth course. Now, what I wanted to do with this course was instead of just sending you some random ebook or a prefabricated course, I wanted to get directly to the issues that were bothering you, that are holding you back, that you are struggling with. So I asked you, my question to all of you that opted in was, what is your number one obstacle or challenge to building true wealth? So I wanted to go through your responses and directly answer them. I know for me when I was getting started, anytime I had the opportunity to ask questions directly about something that I was struggling with to someone that had done what I wanted to do, it was super, super helpful. So in creating this course, it's going to be a little bit of a mixture, a course and a little bit of coaching as well. Now I need to warn you in advance. If you talk to any of my clients or if you speak with uh, any of my students in Core Coaching Academy, they may tell you that I'm known for tough love. Now, that also comes with a lot of compassion and empathy, but there may be a little bit of like, all right, let's go here because you guys got this and I want to help you pursue whatever it is that is calling you, that is, is pulling you forward into your future, that propelling force from your heart like, where's it going? What direction are we taking this in? So you may sense a little bit of that tough love today. So if that bothers you, I apologize in advance, but no, it's all good. It's all in love. Don't take it personally because I want the best for you and I'm going to be a stand for your greatness. So to get started, I want to talk a little bit because a lot of people brought up limiting beliefs and all these things about mindset and shifting thoughts and different things like that. So let's peel way, 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 way back and start at the very foundational level. Within each one of us, we have what is called a self-image. And your self-image is going to be the way that your unconscious mind thinks that you are. So let me give you an example. If somebody has always thought of themselves as the fat guy, that's their self-image. And in some ways, it's, it's just a point, a set point, like on a thermostat, where you can set your thermostat to 70 degrees. You don't have to say 70 degrees is the best and 72 sucks and 68 sucks, but 70 is the only one that I want. No, it's not like it's a good or bad thing. It's just a set point. You've set it at 70. And then just like a thermostat's job 
is to keep the room or the temperature in that place at 70 and turn on the AC or turn on the heat accordingly, your set point of your self-image, if it is, I am the fat guy, it's not placing judgment on that. It's not saying, well, that's awesome or that's terrible. It's just saying, this is what I'm supposed to do. So everything within you, your unconscious mind, which really runs the show, is going to keep you at that set point. So the only way that we can create true and lasting change in our lives is to shift the thermostat, is to change that set point. Now, how do you do that? There's this thing called imprinting, and imprinting happens in three ways. The first way is with authority. So authority often comes in the role of your parents when you're a baby and a toddler, or maybe somebody else who was taking care of you when you were a very small child. That is an authoritative figure in your life. Now, oftentimes as adults, we can't mimic that enough. We don't have someone in our lives that is that level of authority. Sometimes this happens in cult leadership and things like that, but for the most part, generally speaking, we can't cultivate that level of authority. And the second way that things can get imprinted is what is called intensity. Now again, this one's not all that helpful in the coaching world and things like that because most of the time we can't create something that is that intense. Now you may have heard about things like firewalking or some people do programs at their events where they will bust through bricks or through wood and the idea is to up the intensity. Now, another time that this happens that is not intended is during trauma. If you had some type of abuse or something like that, that can be a very, very intense moment that can imprint something into our set point, into that unconscious mind. Now, the third way that we can create imprinting, and this is the one that we're gonna focus on because it's definitely the easiest to use, is repetition. Anytime you wanna learn something as an adult, the first key is to say, okay, I am aware of what it is I need to learn. You need to have that consciousness of realizing, oh, there's something more out there and a step that I can go forward into or, or toward. And so what do I wanna do about that? Oh, I need to learn. I am aware of this thing out there. I'm aware of my desire to learn it. And then in order to learn it, it just takes practice, right? How do we do anything? We practice. So repetition is the best way, as far as I'm concerned, to re-imprint some of this stuff that's been controlling the show for so long. And you guys know this. You know it's been controlling the show because the stuff that you wrote to me in your emails, it tells me that you are aware of it. Just really, really pay attention to what is controlling the show. Maybe it is something that you learned from your parents. Maybe your parents worked really, really hard, like mine did to provide for you. And so that became the story like I had, which was, this has gotta be hard. It's gotta be hard. It's gotta be challenging. And you heard me talk about that with Andy is, I didn't really have a lot of challenges through the whole of life in school or my first job. It was pretty easy. And then I get to this point of being an entrepreneur. I'm like, well, it must be hard now. <laughs> you know, I've heard all the stories of people struggling. That's gotta be the way that it must be. And so I created it that way. Now, if I would have had a little bit uh, broader consciousness or a little bit more awareness, maybe I didn't have to go through that. I don't know, I did, so I'm gonna take it and run with it. So looking at this whole idea of imprinting and using repetition to create a new program or a new set point in your life, that 
really is the basis of a lot of the stuff that I'm going to answer in your specific questions. So let's get to them. Uh, Natasha says, my block is lack of self-confidence and limiting beliefs. So if it's lack of self-confidence, really what that comes down to is just a choice. If you're going to allow yourself to just say, okay, well, I'm not that confident. Well, you can make a new choice. Here's, here's the beauty of this situation is that any given moment, and I say this all the time, any given moment provides the opportunity to make a new choice. So you can change that set point, change your thermostat and shift into a more confident with less limiting beliefs. So start with the choice, start with a decision. That word decision is so powerful because it comes from the Latin decidere, and what that means is to cut off. So you are literally cutting off the other options of lack of self-confidence, limiting beliefs, all that stuff, cut them off, and everything starts with a thought. So begin there, and then repeat, 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 repeat. And it sounds so basic, I know. It sounds almost juvenile or, or ridiculous in its simplicity, but that's the beauty of this work is it truly is simple. It doesn't have to be as hard as we tend to make it. So thank you, Natasha, for writing in. I hope I s I'm saying your name right. Marco also said that confidence is one of his limiting factors. Charles, confidence in myself. Confidence is a big, big thing here. My husband, Sean, has a program called The Key is Confidence. And I was just speaking at that event about a month or so ago. And I was talking to the audience, and they're all there to learn confidence. And I was telling them, I was reminding them, because they know this, that when you are truly confident, you don't necessarily think about being confident. You just are. But in order to get to that point, you do have to use that repetition. There's a great uh, quote, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but Mark Manson wrote a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And there was this really awesome piece in there where he said, you know, anyone who is truly happy doesn't have to stand in front of the mirror with happiness affirmations and say, I am happy, I am happy, I am happy. She just is. But the key there is that if you're not, there are ways to work your way up to that point. And truly, truly, the first step is just being open to becoming more confident. It's just deciding to become more confident. Antonietta says, I discovered that the number one challenge for me in this moment is I don't have the right to ask that much. So unfortunately, I'm not sure if you're an entrepreneur or if, if you're talking about pricing or what to charge people in your work. And I don't know what, what all is behind that. It's a much bigger thing is in terms of the right. Some people wrote in about deserving, deservedness, and feeling like they didn't deserve to make that much money or to, to have it be easy. I know that was part of my story. But in terms of having the right, I would really go back into your belief system at, at large and say, what is it that I believe about the way that this world works? And what do I want to believe about the way this world works? Because as you guys probably know, a belief is simply a thought that you have just continued to think. It's on repetition. So that then becomes an ingrained, imprinted belief. And that doesn't mean that it's 
true or not true, you know that there are different beliefs all over the planet. I mean, even within your own family or within your friend group, people are going to have different beliefs. So looking at, I don't have the right to ask that much, I would really start from square one and say, what, what, how does this whole world work? You know, what do I have the right for? Or what do I want to have the right to? And build it from that perspective. Pauline says, it's believing enough in myself. Well, here's the, th the thing, is that yes, you have to believe in yourself, but that often isn't going to be enough. I know in my case, if I didn't surround myself with really incredible, awesome, uplifting and supportive people that, that got my vision, that, that saw my potential and encouraged me along the way, I probably would have quit, quite honestly, because it's really hard to do it all yourself. And that's something that I just want to remind you of right now to all of you is that you don't have to do it alone. You're not by yourself. You're not the only one in this situation. You're not, as Mark Manson said again to reference that same book, you're not some special snowflake that has some unique challenge that nobody's ever faced before. No, we're all humans. We all go through struggle. We all have challenges. We all have obstacles. Let me remind you, that's why you're here. Like That's why you came into this lifetime, into this existence, was to have that struggle. Another great book that I love, Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way. That's the whole point. If we didn't have any challenges or any obstacles, there would be no growth, and hence that would be really, really boring. And some people are like, well, sign me up for that. I'd like a boring life. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because you wouldn't be here if that was true. If your soul wanted boring, it would have stayed up in soul land and not come down to this uh, exciting adventure. <laughs> so believing enough in yourself, I would say get some really supportive, awesome people to surround yourself with. And if you don't have those people in your life, hire somebody, hire a coach, hire a counselor, hire somebody to work with you to help build you up. Angela says, oh, from Nairobi, Kenya. What's up? I'll be there in this June, this summer or winter for you. <laughs> So the challenge is clarity. Angela says, I am interested in a couple things. I got into finance. One thing that's clear, I desire to be the best version of me. Awesome. That's a good place to start. So speaking about clarity, one of the things that I did early on that really, really helped all of this whole process was to get crystal clear about what it was that I wanted to do. And some people say, well, how do you do that? What should we do? I have a really great, very easy system to figure out what is your purpose. And here it is. You take a piece of paper and you write, you just draw two lines down the center. So you're going to have three columns. In the first column, you're going to list your talents and skills. And I'm talking everything. It doesn't have to be career related at this point. Anything that you're good at, list it down. Maybe you're a great uh, roller skater. Write it down. Maybe you're great at baking cupcakes. I don't know what it will be for you, but write that down. In the second column, it is passions, and that's all about what is it that you love? You know, maybe it's listening to music. Maybe it's singing or playing music. Maybe it's painting. Maybe it's whatever. And you may not be that great at it. Like, it didn't maybe make the first column. <laughs> you're not that skilled at it. But if you just love it, like, I love to eat. <laughs> That's a passion of mine. Food is a passion of mine. But 
I don't, I'm not particularly talented or skilled at cooking, so that's like it didn't make it into my first column, but I do love food, so that was definitely in my, in my passion column. And then a lot of people would say, okay, well, you, here's what you're good at, here's what you like to do, just figure out how to match those up and you're good to go, except they're missing a big piece of the puzzle. One of the pieces of the puzzle that they are missing is what is a need of the world? Because it's where that need of the world and what you have to offer collide or intersect, that's the key to your purpose. That's where the power is because then it's taking you, everything you've got to offer and the desire within you to offer those things and meeting, like almost it's like fitting a puzzle piece in exactly the right way. It's meeting something that has a need out there on the planet. So Angela, I would suggest writing out that list figuring out what it is, what I would say you're here to do, what you're here to do, and then gaining clarity from that perspective. So Roger says, external commitments that I can't ignore. I have to have finances to look after my mother. I have a passion to be a life coach and I'm putting myself out there, but obviously not enough. <laughs> well, putting yourself out there and true marketing and sales are different things. So we'll, I'll talk more about that in a bit. But in terms of having the the finances that you can't ignore or the commitments, that's everybody to some extent. Granted, when I started my business, I wasn't married, I didn't have any kids, you know, all of these different things. And for someone who does have those commitments, it's going to be a little different story. But that doesn't mean that it's really different in terms of the way that you would go about it. I know people that have had full-time jobs and are building their business just on an evening in the week or on a weekend day, a couple of hours on the weekend when they can send their kids to take a nap. So most people have finances that they have their commitments. And Roger, if you're anything like me, I also had a great passion to be a coach. I also thought that I was a pretty good coach. And I also thought, hey, there's a need in the world for people to have coaches. The key was marketing for me. So I would recommend that you learn everything you can about marketing and about sales, all of that stuff, about business. Really educate yourself and then see what you can do. And also, don't put so much weight onto those external commitments, as you said. I'm not saying to ignore them. I, I definitely want you to keep helping your mother or whatever other commitment that you had. But don't make that a barrier to your success. You can have, as an entrepreneur, there is no cap to the amount of money that you can make. So ideally, you would be able to help her more in that capacity than if you stayed at, and I don't know your story, I'm totally making this up, but let's say you're in a current job right now. If you stayed there, there's probably a cap on the salary that you can make. So you would be able to help her to the extent that that salary allows. But as an entrepreneur, there is no cap. So my recommendation, for most people is to work for themselves because then you get to call the shots, you get to be in control, and it's also really, really, really fun and challenging. But that would be my recommendation is, is don't limit yourself in that. Figure out how to make it work in terms of the time and the effort that you need to still put in. Vince says that his number one obstacle or challenge to building true wealth is his health. He says, it sabotages me every time I get to a point of breaking through. And Vince, I hate to tell you this, but it's not your health that's sabotaging you. It's you. <laughs> it's you that's sabotaging you. It's that set point, that thermostat setting in your mind that is saying, oh, I'm almost, almost, almost there. I'm ready to break through. 
whoa, we better snap back. It's called the snapback effect. We better go back to where we know how to work this stuff. We better go back to what we know to be true about ourselves. So go back to the beginning of this video and listen to that again and really, really, really look at what are the stories that are holding you back because it's not your health. What Your health is controlled by your unconscious mind. Your unconscious mind is the one that's whose job is to keep and maintain that set point. So look at the relationship there and see if you can bust through. Take that extra act of courage to get that breakthrough because then on the other side, you don't necessarily always need those health setbacks. Additionally, many times when we're talking about a health issue, there's sometimes a secondary gain. And what I mean by secondary gain is, let's say there's a woman who hurts her back. And then when she has a hurt back, her husband is suddenly, and he wasn't like this before, but he's suddenly very attentive and very helpful around the house. Well, unconsciously, she may not get better from that hurt back because she's like, I kind of like this new guy who showed up. I like this guy who, and I'm just, you know, it could be men, women. It's, I'm not trying to stereotype, but there oftentimes is a secondary gain. So Vince, I don't know what it might be for you, but if it continues to happen in that same sort of pattern where you're just about to break through and then there's some health crisis or challenge, I would really look at what is the secondary gain. And secondary gain doesn't always mean it's a good and positive thing, but if there's some little piece of it that you like or that you want, sometimes we don't recognize like, oh, I'm actually doing this to myself. So just pay very, very, very close attention and see what you can come up with. Num okay, Armand says, my number one challenge is connecting my heart set with my mindset. Well, the beauty is you don't have to necessarily connect them. You just kind of have to be focusing them toward the same direction. They're gonna be different things. The mind is this very interesting thing that has both the right and left brain, right? So we have the creativity and the art and also the logic and the rationale, all of these things. And what we can do by looking at heart set is dropping out of that, when I say drop out of the head, I explained this a little bit in the interview the other day, but getting out of that head is getting out of the noise and the stress and the doubt and the struggle, and then getting out to that heart set. When you're in great heart set, you are in coherence. So I wouldn't worry as much, Armand, about connecting the two, but allowing the heart to be the leader and then the brain can just kind of get on board and be like, all right, cool, Like this is the direction we're going in. Now, how can I use my wisdom and my logic and my rationale and my creativity to all go in that same direction? Okay, Bill says, my number one obstacle to building true wealth is I see programs on the internet and think they will solve whatever problems I am currently facing. Most likely, my mind is overpowering my heart, especially with money. Yes, Bill, again, you're not alone in this. There, It is so easy to see all kinds of different things. I mean, look at how many different things are being sold online. There are thousands and th there are millions probably. But the reality is there isn't a magic bullet. There isn't one thing that's going to be like, yep, 
here, just buy this course for $197 and that's it, that's all you need. So the thing that I want you to remember is I'm not saying you shouldn't invest in yourself. I think investing in yourself is awesome. I think there are so many really, really, really good courses out there or programs out there. And you know, I offer programs online and, and put them out there. But the reality is, if you're seeking that magic bullet, you have to come to terms first with the fact that that doesn't exist. Like there is no magic bullet. There's not gonna be the, the next right thing. And quite honestly, when I was getting started, I spent a lot of money on a lot of different programs. And over the years, I have learned to scale that back quite a bit. And one of my, my buddies, Russell Brunson, he runs a company called ClickFunnels. I really appreciated what he was talking about recently. He's like, you know, I used to spend a lot of money on consultants and we would pay however many thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on what the, what the thing was. And he said, you know, their advice, either I always kind of like knew it already, or it just wasn't that good. It wasn't the best fit for us, for my company. And so what he said was, he said, I actually started becoming my own consultant. I would schedule time on my calendar and I would essentially do what I would do with a consultant, but I did it with myself. And he was like, I would never go back to doing it a different way. And here's why, and this applies to what you're saying, Bill is because you're the only one that really knows you. You know best what your passions are. You know best what's good and right for you. Why? Because it's your heart that tells you, it's, in, it's your intuition that can guide you on that path. Nobody else has access to that. Now, if you get a really good coach, they might help you see that. Like one of the things I love doing with my clients is when they start talking and they're like really, really on their heart path, which is what I call your, your purpose, then I, I get this tingling in my jaw and it's like when they're on it, I get this physical sensation. I'm like, yes, go. So I can help encourage that, but I don't know what all the details are for them. They do and, and Bill, you're the only one that knows it for you. So first and foremost, there is no magic bullet. Just come to terms with that. And two, learn to trust you more. Yes, study, yes, learn, yes, read books, yes, go to programs, but always, always put them through the filter of you. I love this Walt Whitman quote. He says, dismiss whatever insults your own soul. And I abide by that. It's like, I'll take your information or I'll take your advice, but if it doesn't jive with me, I'm gonna throw it out. It's not gonna be valuable to me. So keep that in mind. Okay, Diane. Diane says, my obstacle for building true wealth is a sense of apathy and powerlessness. There's a lack of action, and then I think, what's the point? I fear selling. It all seems like hard work, and it feels like begging people. <laughs> I, I totally get that, because that's how I used to feel about it. I've seen members of my family work hard and still struggle, so what's the point? If I'm honest, I know I'm a good coach, but I lose focus and conviction to get out there. I really related well to your story. Yeah, it sounds, Diane, like we have some commonalities. So. Here's what I would say about this apathy and the powerlessness is stop thinking it's about you. Because if you're focused inward, you're looking at, oh, well, I'm a pretty good coach and I need to do this and I should get out there and I, 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 I. Stop thinking it's about you. 
your mission here, your purpose here is to be in service to other people. And that's true for almost all of us to some extent and in different ways, different shapes, different formats, etc. But you do need to get out there. And you know, as far as what you said about feels like begging people, well, I would suggest that possibly you're thinking about selling in the wrong way. Because these days, I don't even think about it like selling. I just say, hey, here's what I'm up to. You want to come play? And people are like, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. Now, that doesn't just happen overnight. I had to build a following. I had to build an email list. I had to build a Facebook uh, following. So all that stuff takes time. All of that stuff takes work. And it is work, but it doesn't have to feel like awful, hard, terrible, soul-crushing work. If it does, I would suggest you're in the wrong profession. What it should feel like is hard work, yes, that, that hustle aspect, but also a little bit of magic. You know, it should feel like you're on your purpose. It should feel like you're on your path, even when the going gets tough, because it will get tough. And I'd recommend really just shifting your mindset around what do you think, you know, selling doesn't have to be this, this scary thing that is begging. If it feels like begging, it's because you're coming from scarcity. That's, that's as simply as I can state that. If you're feeling needy, like I need money, I need clients, then yes, it will feel that way. And guess what? They'll know that too. And nobody wants to buy from a needy or clingy or scarcity-driven coach. So you've got to find a way to get into abundance mindset, abundance heart set first and foremost for you, and then consider selling from that perspective. It's going to shift everything for you. Grace says, I'm looking for my purpose. Yes, one of my favorite questions to answer. Again, go back to that worksheet that I talked about. It's got three columns. It's not even a worksheet. You can draw it on your own piece of paper. First column, second column, third column, and then look at how you can create something that utilizes all of this stuff. When I was doing this, when I was living in Nairobi, I made my own sheet like that, and I just looked at what could I do to kind of combine all the different things that I love. I'll give you an example. One of my passions is for the outdoors. I love camping and hiking and biking and all those different things. And I grew up doing a lot of that stuff. And I also had a great passion for self-improvement, personal development, spirituality, all this different stuff. So I thought, okay, how can I combine these things and then get paid for it? Oh, and by the way, I also had some pretty great skill and talent at facilitation, leadership, these types of things. So I created this retreat called Heart Path, which I've been running since 2011, and it combines all that stuff. I take small groups out to Sedona, Arizona. We spend a lot of time in, in the land, like getting dirty on hikes and being in the beautiful red rocks of Sedona, because then I get to do all the things that I'm good at, that I love to do, and get paid for it. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's like the most fun thing there is. So do that assignment, figure out what your purpose is, and then move forward on it. Okay, John says, I would say my number one obstacle would be that I keep getting caught up in a lack and scarcity fear mindset. So John, you are doing pretty well right now because at least you're aware of that. What's worse is when you're not even aware of it and you're just blindly kind of crashing into obstacles and struggles and like, oh, what's happening? But having the awareness is the first step. 
The second step, as I mentioned earlier in this video, is repetition. So why not create a new story of instead of I keep getting caught up in lack and scarcity, maybe your new story or your new affirmation could be the way opens up for me. I step forward with courage and confidence. I look forward with abundant mindset toward the days of financial freedom. You know, whatever it is that you want to say, I'm just making that stuff up on the fly. But create a new story around that. And it, that's not to say that you have to have perfection in this. You know, I don't know about you, but when I learned first how to ride a bike, <laughs> my parents took me to a baseball diamond because that's apparently where all the neighborhood kids learn to ride their bikes. And they would hold the seat for a while while I steadied myself and tried to figure out how to balance the bike. And, and then I was off and I was going and I was pedaling and I was like, I knew how to do it. Great. And then I didn't really get the whole turning <laughs> thing. So I took the bike and I ran straight into a base, you know, the raised base on the baseball diamond and completely fell over, you know, flew off the bike, hurt myself, like hit my head on the dirt. And it's like, oh man, I thought I had this. I thought I was aware of how this stuff works now. I thought I got it. Well, and then, you know, some things bump up and you will hit them. And that's okay. Just get back on the bike. Just keep going. Judy says, I don't have a business right now. She's a former case manager in a homeless women's shelter. Acquired a lot of wisdom, years of experience with counseling, advocating for them, etc. Is this a marketable gift? or just something I need to continue to share with the world freely. Uh, here's the thing. Almost anything can be marketable. People sell pet rocks. Like, I don't know why that was a big thing, but they just made, they got rocks and they sold them. So that was marketable. <laughs> and I'll tell you some insider secrets here. I was at a publicity seminar a number of years ago in New York City and the guy on stage who was presenting was a pretty big name in the industry and responsible for lots of people's books and lots of people's careers. And what he said, he goes, you know, it all comes down to the marketing because we did a test. They took an expert in finance and they said, we're gonna see how we can do with a guy who's actually not an expert in finance, but we're gonna contrast. So there was the actual expert who really had the degree in finance and really knew what he was talking about versus their test guy who was just probably some guy that they hired, didn't have a degree, didn't know anything about finance. Well, they marketed the crap out of this guy. And guess what happened with these two careers? This guy, this guy stayed right here. It is almost a syndrome for the expert because they don't, they rely on their expertise. That's what I was doing when I started. I thought, hey, I'm a great coach. Shouldn't that be enough? <laughs> I was relying on my expertise and unfortunately that's not what it's about. And so with you know this being a marketable thing, I say, yeah, if you're going to market it and otherwise it, it is just a great gift to have, but it certainly can be marketable. She also says, with a limited income, where could I look for a good book or guidance in how to begin a new entrepreneurial business? And I would say it depends what business you're wanting to start, because I wouldn't just say, hey, go to the you know, general business administration place and say, I want to start a business. You have to kind of know what that is. 
I'll tell you a story. A guy I met at an event, he runs a very successful surf shop in Costa Rica. And he he's American, and he and his friends uh, drove down from the U.S. to Costa Rica, and they didn't know what the heck they were doing, so they Googled how to start a surf shop. And they literally just followed the steps that they found online. So that was free advice that they got just from the internet. And you can do the same thing, but like I said, I would figure out what it is that you want to do and then start looking. Use Google, you know, use online resources. There is so much out there. You can get almost anything free these days. So start there, but figure out what it is that you want to do first. Mariola says, not knowing what kind of business I could do, how to do it and be motivated to do what's needed. So in some ways that, that goes back to Judy's question previously about what kind of business. You have to figure out what is your purpose, you know, what is it that you're here to do. And while I do hope, you know, and, and think that a lot of people should become entrepreneurs, that doesn't mean that everybody should be an entrepreneur. One of the, the best assistants that I ever had in Portland, Oregon, I remember the first day when I interviewed her and what I liked about her so much, she said, you know, I will never be the front man to anything. I love making all the details right and getting things organized and doing everything like that from behind the scenes. And I was like, perfect, because I don't need a front man. I'm already the face of my business. And if I have someone working in the background that can do all that, and she loved it. That was totally her purpose. She was so great at it. So you need to know who you are. You need to know what it is that you're here to do and then be able to take the next steps forward from that. Deb says, the challenge for me is getting out there, the marketing, I guess, and being confident that what I want to build is a need out there. Yeah, that's an important question, Deb, and that, that speaks to my third column of the needs of the world. You can ask people, you, especially with Facebook nowadays and, and different forums online, you can just see what the needs are out there by engaging in conversation or directly asking. You know, I asked you guys, what's your number one obstacle? <laughs> so that I know what the needs are and then I can speak directly to them. So I would say start there is asking and figuring out what exactly the needs are in your, in your target market or within what you want to do. Marsa says, my obstacle to true wealth is I don't know what to do or how to do it that's best for me and how do I get started without investing too much money since I don't have much. Well, it doesn't cost a lot to get started. At least I should say it doesn't have to. There's certainly big programs out there and lots of, you know, contractors and people that you can invest in. But that's not the only way to do it. I pretty much learned everything myself and I did everything myself for a number of years. And also, even with online software, there's usually either a free option or something very, very budget-friendly. I know in Core Coaching Academy, when I'm training people to become coaches, I tell them, okay, if your budget is nothing right now, then this is the free option. Go with that. If you've got a little bit of money to play with, go with this. Or if you've got you know, quite a bit to spend, I would go with this. This might be your best option. So there's always going to be choices. You just have to do the research to figure out what it is that you need and then what fits within your budget, even if it's very small or none, quite honestly. You can still get started. Rochelle says, the fear of success. Isn't that a crazy one? It's like we have all these money struggles and challenges, and then maybe we get past that a little bit, and then we have the opposite fear. <laughs> like, what if, what if we're too successful? <laughs> it's so funny the way that humans are. 
She says, I realize after all these years, I was afraid of being responsible for the gifts God gave me and not knowing what vehicle to use them in and the belief I could actually be paid for being me. Yeah, that, I love that because that ultimately is what I want for all of you is to realize that with the, the unique setup that you have, you are like, that's, I, again, I say this to my coaches all the time, like, you just need to be more you. You need to allow you to come out more to the forefront and say hello to the world because that is what is going to be the differentiating factor between you and some other coach or you and whomever else in your industry. So there's so many, there's so many good things about what you said there. And that idea of being responsible for the gifts that you have, for the talents, for the skills, for all of that stuff. Again, I would shift the focus from you, like this, this weight that you're bearing of responsibility, and look out to those people that are waiting for your help. Look out to those people that are seeking you in a way for something that only you can offer them. Like that, to me, is the, the best part about all of this. Ronald says, to me, it's all about limiting beliefs hidden from our childhood. Yeah, I mentioned to you on the interview with Andy that I watched my parents work really hard and I heard stories from my mentors and people that I looked up to in business about the challenges and struggles they had. And so I kind of built that into my own journey, to my own experience. And it doesn't have to be that way. I want you to go back to that thermostat conversation Look at your set points, figure out where they are, seek out greater consciousness around that whole experience and look at what what is the limiting belief. Okay, well, what's the opposite of that? How can we shift it around and tell a new story? Ken says, as a two-time survivor of attempted suicide, I feel that it is my calling to help others who suffer from depression and overcome their disease to find the path to wellness and abundant life. As such, I believe that I'm being called to become a life coach. I have many proven skills and aptitudes that I believe makes this a great match for me. The number one challenge or obstacle to building true wealth would be a matter of worthiness, feeling that I don't deserve to be successful, questioning my self-worth and the value of what I have to offer, questions of who would ever pay me for what I have to offer, etc. I love this. This is my dream starting to come true and I'm terrified. Yeah, isn't that crazy that it's like this thing that we always, always, always wanted and then when it begins to happen, we're like, blah, no, wait, here's what's happening. So we have this comfort zone and usually we reside in the middle of it. And the reason that our brains work this way is because back in the day, if we ventured outside that wall, that boundary, we could get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. Not a good day, right? But the reality is, today, we live in a fairly safe environment, at least from external things. As you experienced, Ken, it's sometimes us <laughs> that is our biggest challenge. But when we go beyond that, or when we even go up to that wall, that boundary line of our comfort zone, there's a little part of our brain called the amygdala, and its whole job is to keep us safe. So what happens as we are getting closer to that boundary line of our comfort zone, and like you're doing right now, you're stepping outside of it by creating new programs, new content, stuff and your amygdala is freaking out, that's why you're terrified. <laughs> but the reality is, you don't need to stay in that existence. If you can drop down, go back to that interview that I did with Andy and listen again to that, where I talked about diving underneath the waves, because that's really what happens. All that stuff that's happening in your body, physiologically, 
could just be excitement. You know, if you're terrified and if you're excited, the body oftentimes doesn't know the difference. Our mind is just the one that's putting certain labels on it. I'm terrified or I'm excited. So maybe it's that you're just excited and that's, that's a little more fun. That's a little bit more adventurous. In terms of the question, you know, who would ever pay me for what I have to offer? I would look out into the world and I would say, okay, is anybody offering similar services to this? Probably they are somewhere out there. And so then you know that people will pay them. Now, a matter of your own self-worthiness, that's a different story. And again, it's just a story. So look back at your belief systems, look back at what your story is or these, these things. And, you know, from reading your email, I would say, who, who told you that? Like when you hear that voice in your head that says you don't deserve to be successful, whose voice is that? Is it a parent's voice that you heard? Maybe it wasn't even directed to you, but maybe towards somebody else and you just kind of picked it up. Or maybe it was a teacher saying, you know, you're never going to mount anything. I don't know, just making this up. But whose voice is it? Because my guess is that it's probably not yours. Okay, Shakti says, my main challenge to finding true wealth is negative conditioning from a lifetime of negative experiences with money. In spite of strong efforts to do and follow prosperity lessons, anxiety, fear, doubts and worries, even panic creep in. Like you, I was also, maybe still am, scared of looking at bank numbers. I would notice my breathing is different when I'm dealing with money. It didn't help that I had a husband who let me do all the <laughs> worrying about paying our bills didn't care if there was enough. We are now separated and I'm hoping to heal my issues with money and hopefully live the abundant life that I deserve so I can do my healing work freely and joyfully. Well, I hope you don't mean freely as in you don't get paid because I want you to get paid for your work. Yeah, here's what it comes down to. And you say, and this is great because this applies to so many people. I'm praying to be able to finally transcend money challenges. Transcending money challenges is not something that you can just, I would say in most cases, okay? There may be outliers, but in most cases, shifting that kind of stuff isn't something that you can just meditate on and wait for it to happen. You have to go do something. So if you're looking to do work as a healer, you need to learn about marketing to, to market that process, to market your unique healing brand and be able to truly shine that light that you have out into the world and have other people come and pay you for those very important services. You have important work to do and you use words like hope and pray. And I, somebody just quoted me the other day from a podcast that I was on and then I saw my quote online, hope is not a business plan. Hope is a great and very, very powerful and important thing, but it's not a business plan. And I want to make that clear is it, you have to take action. You have to do something to be able to transcend this stuff. It's not just going to happen to you. You guys had so many, so many amazing questions, challenges, obstacles, frustrations, things that you very vulnerably shared with me and now with the rest of the audience. I so appreciate that. And what I'm going to do, because there are still a whole lot more questions and challenges, is I'm going to break this into two parts. I'm going to wrap this part one up for you now. If you already sent in your challenge or frustration, I definitely will get to your email. And uh, I want to 
you know, acknowledge everyone and speak to everyone who asked. For now, I hope this gave you a foundation. I hope this gave you a place to get started in terms of thinking about, okay, what are my limiting beliefs? What do I think about success? What do I want to do with my life? What is my purpose? There are so many powerful questions that came up out of this content today. So I want to let some of that sit and marinate a bit, you know, stew in that a little bit and see what comes up. Ready to make your dream your reality? Let's build your business so you can do what you are here to do. I invite you to join my inner circle, the Lucra Collective, a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who got over the limiting belief that they needed to go it alone. Visit lucra.com to join today. That's L-U-C-R-A.com. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.